Welcome to Wyndham Tech Talks, a podcast series designed to explain and explore the role and impact of Wyndham Tech School in Wyndham and Hobsons Bay. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of Australia, in particular, the Boon Wurrung, Wurrung, and Woi Wurrung peoples of the Kulin, where we work, live, and play. We extend our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and their elders, past, present, and emerging. In this episode, recorded on International Women's Day, Laura Haig, Data and Analytics Manager for Greater Western Water. Let's find out more. Well, welcome to the uh, the Wyndham Tech Talk podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, take us through exactly what, uh, what your role is at uh, Greater Western Water. So I head up the data and analytics team at Greater Western Water. So uh, we are responsible for everything uh, data and analytics. So ensuring that we can dr- drive and derive value from our data assets to help the business make better decisions. How does that transpose into into other? I mean, I know you've been in retail and you've worked in the sports industry mm. and, and a whole lot automotive, a whole lot of other areas. What what are what are data assets in in those businesses and in your business now? So in our business now, I guess our core data assets are around our people. So the people that work for Greater Western Water, uh, around our customers and around our physical assets. So think pipes in the ground, for example. Uh, In previous organisations I've worked and the type of work that I've done there, the data asset that I was particularly involved in tended to be mostly around the customer. So if you think about retail and all of the the wealth of data that is generated every time you purchase online or in store, that was what I was really responsible for. So, so from the point of view of uh, if I'm a, I'm a greater Western Water customer, which I am, um, uh, what do you know about me? Uh, what I give you is as much as you know about me? Pretty much, and your and your usage, yes. So it's been an interesting transition for me to come to an organisation. I've been with Greater Western Water for a little over a year. It's been an interesting transition to come to an organisation that actually doesn't know or really need to know, you could argue, that much about customers for us to be able to service them well. Um, so a lot of the work that we do actually is more focused on the physical assets rather than the customer side of the business. That's not to say that we don't do work for the customer side of the business, but it's a very different proposition. In something like retail, there is a value proposition as a customer for you to hand over either explicitly or otherwise some of that data. Whereas as a water customer, there's less of a value proposition. So it doesn't matter if I'm male, female, 50, 40, 20, whatever really does it in terms of from this from this business point of view. Certainly for residential customers, I would say that that's probably true. Yeah. You know, if we think about what's going to impact the amount of water you use, it would be things like whether you've got a family, how many people are in your household. I think for business customers, though, there's a bit of a difference there. So if we think about what attributes it would be useful for us to know about a business, we don't necessarily know these attributes about our customers yet. It's things like criticality of water to your business. If you're a hairdresser, water's pretty critical to you. If you're a news agent, maybe a little bit less so. So, uh, Tell us about the relationship between the, the tech school and, and Greater Western Water. How, how, how does that sort of work out? 
Yeah, so we've had, a, my understanding is we've had a relationship for a number of years and uh, we actually uh, have a space in, in uh, Wyndham Tech School yeah. and uh, students are able to come in and work through a real life problem that we uh, encounter as a business every day, which is um, blockages within pipes and trying to work out what the blockage might be and therefore how we can remove that blockage. Um, and that's obviously quite a difficult proposition when you've got pipes under the ground. <laughs> um, and obviously, we, d we don't want to be digging up streets unnecessarily and impacting customers and, and people that use those streets. So, yeah, it's a really uh, interesting proposition for, for us to have to deal with. And it's something that we get some of the students here just to start to think about. Yeah. Um, and when you start thinking about things like using CCTV, uh, uh, robots potentially crawling yeah. through pipes, when you think about putting sensors across pipes and the whole Internet of Things... Um, collecting data about those pipes, pressure, flow, those sorts of indicators. You can see how the amount of data that we collect and what we might be able to do with it is is pretty far-reaching. And also the problem-solving part of that is really interesting too because – 30 40 years ago probably let's get a let's get a little backhoe out here let's dig up, dig in into the ground and fix it that way but now we don't that's almost a last resort yes yeah i mean some of the interesting we work that my team does around the predictive analytics side of things is predicting when we think there might be a problem within a pipe uh, really a leak you, you or a predict burst. those things we do try to yeah and obviously a big predictor of whether there's going to be a problem with a pipe is has there been a problem with that pipe in the past so that's a really obvious one. But then you think of other attributes like what kind of road is it on? Is there a lot of heavy traffic, a tramway, or causing vibrations? Uh, is there a lot of trees around that could have their roots into the ground and potentially causing a disruption with the pipe? There's lots of different attributes that we can collect, translate into a data point, and then be able to to predict some of that. Yeah, yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. From the from the tech school point of view, and and the students that come here and get involved in in those programs and mm. solving those problems, what sort of employment opportunities are there, and and what sort of jobs do they get out of that sort of area? Crikey, we employ, I think, as a business, pretty much every industry uh, or skill type you could think of, really. So uh, obvious ones are engineers. Um, in my space, data engineers, so people who are responsible for pipelining data around, uh, water quality experts, scientists. Um, we've got people who manage our treatment plants. So think about the kind of skills and resources that they need to do that. Um, customer. So if we think about how we service our customers, we've got a huge call center. Um, we have a team of people who look after customers who might find themselves in hardship. Um, we have a lot of strategy colleagues, so people who are responsible for planning. Uh, we have a lot of growth in the West um, and planning what that growth might look like in terms of both residential and business customers and what we might need to do to provision water for that growing population. So, yeah, there's some very disparate uh, teams and skills uh, that GWW employ. And none of those sounded to me to be gender-specific at all. It could be either male or female. 100%. Yeah. Is that an area that that uh, and you mentioned data engineer, which is not a, an, a uh, I guess a, a job description I've heard a lot. Mm. Uh, is that a newish kind of field? It's relatively new in the same way data science as a term is relatively new. I mean, okay. I've been in analytics for over twenty years, and I used to build predictive models. We weren't called data scientists then, as 
platforms modernize and technology moves forward, I think we find new, more suitable terminology for some of this work. Yeah. Um, again, I think when I started, I was doing a bit of all sorts, a bit of, anal- a bit of analytics, a bit of data science, a bit of engineering. And now they're very clear disciplines and need to be because they require different skill sets. Is it an area that uh, is... Uh, every area, every business at the moment is screaming for people. Um, is is this an area that is growing um, and, and is the female side of it growing? It's International Women's Day when we're speaking today. Mm. Is that an area that it works easily with females working in that area? I mean, there is no reason, there is no gender bias in, in the work that we do. Men and women can equally be successful in, in any of those disciplines within the analytics field. I think attracting women to some of those fields, particularly the data engineering side of things, I think is quite tricky. And I think then retaining and developing women in some of those areas is also tricky. I think, um, you know, it's well known that we have a problem attracting uh, girls and women into STEM subjects at school. So we already have a much narrower pipeline of women coming through mm. through school to university being in- interested in these sorts of... Do you have a f- theory on why that is? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if I think about... I studied maths at university and it's because it, it was all I was any good at, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> so I didn't really have a choice. There was no... I never really thought about anything else. But I think... Yeah, it's an interesting one. And um, I think the way that analytics delivers value to businesses now, the soft skills of being able to speak to your stakeholders, understand the value that you can deliver, uh, understand your stakeholders' opportunities or challenges is just as important as the technology side of things and the technical skills. And I'm not saying we need to take our eye off the ball with the technical skills, but I feel like even now, 20 odd years after I came out of university, we're not necessarily putting the right weight on those soft skills. And so I think that there's maybe a pathway into analytics, which isn't your traditional STEM subjects, maths, computer science. If I think about subjects that have much more women uh, studying them, marketing being an obvious one, and I've worked with a lot of marketing colleagues over the years, Mm. um, there's a real opportunity to learn or to teach analytics as part of marketing courses. And some do now, but I think you've got a whole user base there that's primed to be teaching them some of this stuff. They need to make more data-driven decisions and they need technical expertise or sorry, technical experts to help them to do that, but they need to be thinking in a data-driven way. So if we can be teaching analytics skills to those sorts of cohorts where there are a lot more women, then I think you're naturally going to get more women coming through with an interest in the subject. And all right, that might not translate into becoming an analyst, but it will translate into them becoming a much more rounded, data-driven marketer, for example. Yeah, there's this stodgy kind of, uh, I guess, uh, uh, pencil notebook, uh, you know, logarithms and all that part of the analytic side of it does frighten a lot of people off. Oh, it definitely does. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say, I am not a coder. So whilst I was good <laughs> at maths, <laughs> traditional maths, I got into the workplace and I was not a very good coder. And I also hate to admit that I'm not one of these valiant people who, if I'm not very good at something, I'll really try and teach myself it to get better. Now I just throw my hands up and give up, <laughs> which is why I made some deliberate moves to get out of the kind of hands-on coding work and into more 
working with stakeholders and then obviously moving up into more uh, management roles. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it is daunting, definitely. But I think if you can, if we can find a way to bridge the gap between, yes, you've got to know the, these um, uh, coding languages, but here's why, here's what we do with it, then I think that demystifies things a little bit because you've got some anchor point in real life. It isn't just a piece of code. You mm. know what it's working towards. And so I think, yeah, that would help to to make it seem a little bit less scary. The the ability to explain coding to a layman like me is also a very special skill in itself and one that uh, often coders themselves don't have. They, they don't know how to speak to me about it. They can speak to other coders about it because they speak their own language. But yeah. That, that's a skill that is uh, needed. Very much so. And we really struggle, actually, as, a, as an industry, I think, to attract um, people with the right mix of being interested and having an aptitude for the coding, but can also speak to people and explain what they're doing and why they're doing it. Yeah. And I think certainly the way that I've progressed in my career, I was told very early on that you know, analytics professionals are not there to sit in a back room and churn out bits of code. You're not going to get a good end result. You can't. Yes, there's analytics in every business these days, really, because yep. everyone's collecting data. And so, yes, there's an argument that we could go get a job anywhere. We could. We're very lucky in that respect. But it's not the same everywhere. And you can't just walk into a new role and expect to deliver value because you were doing it in your previous role. You really need to understand what the business is trying to achieve. And I think you get the best, the business gets the best out of analytics professionals when the question isn't, can you give me this table of data? But the question is actually, I've got this business problem. I need to reduce cost. I need to increase my revenue. I think there's a market to attract this cohort of customers over here, which we're not currently attracting, how might we be able to solve for that? And that's not something that analytics can solve on its own. It's usually a multidisciplinary approach, bringing together people from IT and tech teams, marketing teams, uh, product teams, and ourselves. But that's when you get the best out of people like me, I think. Yeah. And you attract the people like you uh, who wouldn't maybe look at it in the old way that it was presented, whereas if you're presenting it the way the tech school's presenting it now in this problem-solving situation, it certainly becomes a lot more attractive as something you might you'll look at and go, I wouldn't mind having a crack at that. Absolutely. It's really heartening when, I've, when, when I had my first visit here to hear that they spend such a lot of time on ideation and really understanding the business problem yep. and working through what the solution might be before they even start on the actual solution. And it's so important. And we just weren't taught that when I was at uni, albeit many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I mean, the relationship with the with the tech school is fantastic. Let's talk a little about uh, International Women's Day because that's what it is today. And you're here to uh, catch up with uh, some of the female leaders around the place as well. Um, how important is that? And, and, and what does it mean to you? Um, from a personal point of view and from a business point of view? Mm. It's a really important day for me, I think, to acknowledge the how far we've come and also to acknowledge the, the inspirational women who I have had the great opportunity to work with and for and the inspirational women that I'm working with right now in my team. So um, we have 25% 25, 25 of my team is female currently. I would love it to be higher but um, it's better than some organizations that I've worked in. Um, so I think there's work for us to do there and to understand why that might be. Um, but yeah, it's really important for me um, as an analytics professional to really reflect on 
why that 20% is there and what we can really do about it and why I've spent a lot of time over the last few years thinking about why we're not attracting enough women into, into this area. So attracting women and girls into STEM is the first problem. But I think I call it the greedy hiring manager um, phenomenon. And I have been on both sides of that. So when I look at a PD, a, a position description or an advert for a new role, um, there's lots of research that's been done over many years that says that when people are looking at a position description for a job, a woman needs to be fairly certain she can tick off 100% of that job description before she'll apply. For men, it's more like 60%. So there's loads of jobs that I've seen advertised and haven't gone for because the position description is as long as your arm with a bunch of stuff I've never heard of. And so I think, well, there's no way I'm going to be in with a, a shout of that gig because I can't do some of those things. And speaking to some of my friends and colleagues, um, they feel the same way. So you've already alienated a group of people. If I think of myself as a hiring manager, I have been a perpetrator of the greedy hiring manager phenomenon where it's very easy to think, oh, well, we don't use those platforms and technologies yet, but we might in the future. So let's put it in the PD. And that's how the PD becomes as long as your arm with a bunch of stuff that a bunch of people have never heard of. Why do we do that? I, we're terrible. I'm terrible at it. No, I don't. the organisations I, I work for do exactly the same things and it drives me nuts. Yeah. So the last few years I've been really conscious to, to limit the PD to the essential skills and experiences for the role and, and, and acknowledge what can be taught and to really – hone in on and highlight those softer skills that are required. So yes, of course, technical competency is always going to be really important, but but highlighting and, and um, really beefing up, if you like, some of that softer skills. So um, yeah, like I say, I've been the victim of it and I've also been a perpetrator of it. But I think if we think like that and we think as we're writing a PD, how are other women going to look at this? And how are they going to judge whether they can apply for these roles or not? It, it changes the way that you write some of those job ads. It's really important. Almost if someone is interested in the position, they're almost get them in through the front door and you can probably teach them what they don't know 100%. because they're interested and they obviously it appeals to them. They will have a passion for it. Yep. They, they tick those boxes, which are sometimes far more important than the, the, uh, the kind of ones down the bottom of the list. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a... A really important thing for me to reflect on on International Women's Day. I think another one is um, I don't feel like I have been treated any differently throughout my career as my male colleagues. I, I genuinely don't, um, and I don't know whether that's a bit of good luck for, for me that I you know I've worked for great organisations that where I, I've not seen or felt that. Um, but it is noticeable as you move up the levels of management that there are distinctly fewer women. Greater Western Water, that is not the case. It's really refreshing. We have a really good gender balance at, at all levels, really, but particularly senior management, so that's great. But I can't say the same for some of the other organisations that I've worked for. And when you're the only woman in a room of 20 people, it's quite noticeable and you do feel it as much um, as you might be confident in your role and uh, understand why you're there and what value you can contribute to that meeting. It, it, it's obvious, you feel it. There's overcompensation on both sides then, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah, there definitely is. So 
Yeah, like I say, I don't think I have been treated any differently, but but you, there are things that are really noticeable. And again, on a day like today, it just focuses your attention on it a bit because most of the time, particularly if if you're not falling victim to, to any of these awful things that you hear some of your colleagues are or your friends are, it's not something you think about. So a day like today, it's a good opportunity to really refocus and make sure that you're doing all that you can to promote and encourage women into this industry in particular. Um, I think the other one for me is um, as I've gotten older and I've got friends and colleagues who are starting to have families and just other responsibilities outside of work, usually caring responsibilities, either for children or for for aging parents. Um, Of course, both men and women take on those roles, but it's still predominantly women, in my experience, that take on those roles and therefore are probably working part-time. What does that mean then for them having the right opportunities, for them being able to keep upskilled? Because it's really important. Our industry is moving so quickly. The platforms that we use now, some of them weren't in existence even a few years ago. Mm. So people need to keep up to date with those skills. That's hard enough to do as it is. But when you're only working three days a week and then you get sent on a course but then you don't get the opportunities to use that new piece of software because your colleagues are getting there. It's just all compounding factors that make things much, much more difficult for women to succeed in general, but in this industry in particular. So again, a day like today, it just gives you an opportunity to pause and think about what am I doing to address some of this stuff. What message would you have for some of the students who are at the Wyndham Tech School who are looking at what they're going to do in the future? What, what sort of message do you have for them? I would say just give it a go. If you're really passionate about something and you and you and you've got a you've got a skill for it, a bit of an aptitude for it, I think you've just got to you've just got to give it a go. And and I mean I know that sounds easy, but just back yourself, have some confidence. Um I maybe didn't have the confidence that I probably should have done when I was younger. And I think, you know, some of that obviously comes with age. But I think, yeah, really, really back yourself. Um, have confidence in the the skills and ability and the knowledge that you do have. Um, and know, you know, when you're entering the work force for the first time you're all in the same boat you're all graduates you all don't know where the toilets are and where the photocopier is now it works you know what I mean you're all in the same boat so everyone's feeling as apprehensive as you are um some might show it more than others but yeah just really and and these sorts of industries IT maths analytics they're such great lifelong industries to work in because I mean, 20 odd years ago when I started, data was was super important. And I, I started my career in the UK and um, in the world of supermarkets. And they were particularly forward thinking with data around things like loyalty programs. Yep. Um, but that has accelerated exponentially in the last 20 odd years. And to the point where now, yeah, you could stop anyone in the street and and say, do you think data is important? And they're going to say yes. Uh, they might not know what that means in reality, but yeah, it, it's every organization is collecting and using data now, and that requires IT infrastructure and all the skills around it. So it's a good lifelong industry to get into for sure. And you can apply your skills and experience to any business. And I've made some conscious decisions to move around different industries just to get a bit more experience. Mm. Um and I, f- I find that um, uplifting and, and a way to kind of keep myself engaged to, to move around deliberately a bit and get experience with different industries and a different viewpoint. So I would encourage people, 
to do that too. Um, and if you join an organization that's big enough, you can obviously do that within the organization. It doesn't yeah. mean you necessarily have to, to move outside it. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, just back yourselves and, and give it a try. Terrific talking to you. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much. Wyndham Tech School is a STEM centre of excellence, funded by the Department of Education and hosted by Victoria University. And if you'd like to know more, simply visit the website, wyndhamtechschool.vic.edu.au. Have fun until the next time.